You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. You know, today, over the past several weeks, we've been talking about hearing God's voice. And we've been talking about how do we quiet ourselves enough to actually hear from God? How do we position ourselves to hear from God? Last week we talked about what do we do once we hear from God, right? Which is very important as well. What do we do once we hear from God? Um, And what's amazing is I got a text from a guy, one of my friends in um, Albany, New York, who said, hey man, I've been listening listening to your series on the podcast, love it. And he had a few things that um, had spoken to him specifically. And I just thought, man, God is amazing that though we're talking in this room, he can take it and man, take it across the nation and across the world that it's impacting people. And it's not, it's not us. It's, it's God's word that's impacting people. That's the best thing about it. Today though, we're going to change gears just a little bit. And I want to talk specifically about prayer. So we're changing gears from hearing from God to how do we speak and pray for things in our lives. And I know um, as I was preparing this message, God put in my heart that we need to do a series on prayer and talk about all the aspects of it. But today we're going to talk about the authority that we have in prayer. You know, me, my son Gavin and I, um, he loves to bounce on the trampoline. We have a, a, back, a nice backyard and, uh, um, and have a trampoline out back. And he loves to go outside. As soon as he gets home from school, it's almost every day he's outside bouncing on the big trampoline. And um, it's a trampoline that's been passed down. So it's like old school, like no nets, no cover over the springs, right? Like it's jump at your own risk type, type stuff, okay? So it's, it's awesome. It reminds me of my childhood. But we get out there, and uh, he always wants me to jump with him. And so we got there and jump. And I grew up uh, watching some wrestling. Anybody else watch some, like, WWE or whatever it's called now, right? Some old school NWO. I don't know if anybody else remembers that, but um, um, WCW, kicking it old school. Um, I grew up watching a little bit of that. And so whenever I get on the trampoline, especially having a young son who's much smaller than me, I like to do some, uh, some wrestling moves, right? Um, some clotheslines, some power slams, some choke slams. Um, you know, sometimes we'll get some things involved, not an actual chair, but maybe a pillow or something that's the size of a folding chair. Um, and we like to wrestle and I like to, uh, get Gavin way up in the air and slam him down on the ground. And even though he may scream, he asks for it again, right? So I'm not hurting my son, just so everybody knows. He, he enjoys the wrestling, even if I'm body slamming him. But God reminded me this past week that in prayer, he's positioned us as believers to whoop up and wrestle the devil to the ground and body slam him. Anybody else know that? Amen? Right. He's positioned us to do work on his behalf until he returns again. But I've talked to so many believers lately who have forgotten their authority in prayer. And we pray these prayers that's kind of like, fingers crossed, I hope God heard me but I don't really expect anything to change or anything to happen. Like I just did my part and, uh, you know, Lord willing, God, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. But God wanted to remind us today that he's positioned you and me to pray with some confidence in authority. And let me just say this. One of the biggest, seems obvious, but one of the biggest hindrances to answered prayer is the lack of prayer. I'm, God, I need you to move in my life. But have you prayed about it? Like not just half-hearted prayer. Have you really prayed about it? Have you gotten his word and found scripture to back up what you're hoping that God will do in your life? Have I prayed about it? 
Oh, God, where are you? Why aren't you answering my prayer? My prayer? One of the biggest hindrances to answer prayer is the lack of prayer. And I'm surprised at how many believers I talk to who their prayer life is minimal, right? And I've gone through seasons of my life, guilty, been there. Man, minimal. What am I really praying for on a daily basis? But as believers, we pray from a position of authority, even though many people may not realize that. We do, and that's, and that's the thing. And I would say this. Many people, like I say, they pray with kind of the fingers crossed. I hope God does something, right? Hey, Lord willing, I, I prayed, and God, I hope you come through for us. And it's almost this begging and pleading with God to work on their behalf. But I would say this, that a good sign of spiritual maturity is when we stop begging and pleading with God to do things that he's already promised to do in here. A good sign of spiritual maturity is when I stop begging and pleading with God to do things that he's already promised to do. Why? If I'm begging and I'm pleading with God to do stuff he's already said, I must not know his word. And if I don't know his word, I don't know him. With relationship comes what? Confidence. With relationship and maturity in the relationship comes authority. In all of this, right, in Hosea 4, 6, it says this. It says that my people, God's, God's speaking here, and he says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. They're destroyed. Many people will say, well, what you don't know won't, won't hurt you, right? Well, Dwight Schrute says false, right? No, um, <laughs> that's absolutely false. What you don't, God says what you don't know will destroy you. Not it won't hurt you, it will destroy you. And that's the issue when I'm just pleading with God to move on my behalf. When he's promised it, I obviously have a lack of knowledge. And I'm setting myself up for destruction and disaster. When I know God's word, I believe it in my heart, and I live it out, I can walk in authority. Let me show you what I mean. In the book of Matthew, Jesus is talking with this group of uh, religious leaders. His disciples are there and other people. And these religious leaders, he's just cast out a demon from someone, right? Amazing miracle. The religious leaders are there, and they're looking at Jesus, and they say, well, okay, Jesus, right? They're, they're jealous. They don't like Jesus. They say, Jesus, you just did that because you yourself have a demon. You can cast out demons because you're demon-possessed. And Jesus looks back and Obviously, I'm paraphrasing, but he says that's the, foolish, the most foolish thing you could say. How can a kingdom going against itself, how can it stand? It can't. Any, any family, any unit that is divided, it cannot stand at all. There, I'm, I don't have a demon. But he takes it a step further, and he says this, this one verse, this one quote right here. And I think many times we overlook this, and we just continue reading. And he says this. He says, or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds. Everyone say binds. Say it like you mean it. Binds. Binds the strong man. And then he will plunder his house. Uh, okay, Jesus, a little bit of a sidestep. What are you talking about here? Jesus is referring to a strong man. And who he's re- referring to is Satan. He's referring to his enemy. His house is this world. But what does Jesus say? I've come to bind the strong man because he has power. He does have power. He's caused a lot of destruction. He's killed a lot of people. He's stolen a lot from people. 
I've come to bind the strong man because I have authority and I have more power. I've come to plunder his house. What is that? Imagine Jesus coming in, binding the strong man, saying, yeah, you can sit down over here. Yeah, this needs to be set free. Go ahead. You're good to go. This is mine right here. I'm going to take that with me. He's coming to rescue, to set free, and to redeem. Imagine in our world, there's a lot of sex trafficking going on, more than people are willing to talk about. But imagine the the amazing miracle that takes place. I wasn't even, this isn't in my notes. The miracle that takes place when those law enforcement officers bust in that door, they bind the strongmen, the criminals that have been trafficking people, and they set free the people that have been bound. This is Jesus. I've come to bind the strongman. Is he strong? Sure. He's caused a lot of damage. But you know who has authority and who's stronger? Jesus says, I am. I'll take care of that. I've come to bind the strong man, plunder his house, and to set free. But then something interesting happens, right? Jesus, of course, yeah, you're God here, and you're 100% God, 100% man. You're here on this earth. It's Jesus, right? Of course he can bind the strong man. But look what he does a few chapters later in Matthew 16, and he's speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to Peter. He's speaking to his church and his future church, which is you. And then he says this. Let me read it. He says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind, there it is again, bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So what do we see? What's taking place here? Jesus says, I've come to take back what is rightfully the Father's. I'm going to bind the strong man. And then he says, here's the thing. This is, I'm, I'm going away. I need you to do this on my behalf. I'm going to give you the keys. Go and bind and go and loose. What is that? Go and forbid or permit things to happen for my kingdom. So what he's showing us is he's saying, I'm going to give you authority. Okay? Bear with me here. This is point number one. We have authority. I'll show you exactly what I mean. We have authority. Hopefully you're starting to see the picture here. This is amazing. This, this should drastically change our prayer life. We have authority. One of the things Jesus showed us is this, that we must realize the devil has power in this world, right? Look around. What's he do? He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. When you see that in our world, who's at work? There's got to be some power there. He does have power. Jesus doesn't, doesn't even deny that. He says he's a strong man. Sure, he has power. But we have authority. The devil has power, but we have authority. In the very beginning, we see God give authority to Adam, right? Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, beginning of time. Adam and Eve sin. They hand their authority over to the devil. The devil then becomes the little g god of this earth, right? Rule, reign, destruction, bad. Sin everywhere, death everywhere. Jesus shows up, and he says, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm here to set things straight. Give me back the authority that was given to you wrongfully. In fact, this is why in Matthew 28, at the end of the book of Matthew, Matthew 28, 18, he says this. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. 
in heaven and on earth. I'll take that back. <laughs> he comes in, binds the strong man. Yeah, yeah, that's mine now. But what does Jesus say to his disciples, to you and to me? In Luke ten nineteen, Jesus says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. Jesus isn't talking about, I mean, we can trample on serpents, real serpents and scorpions physically, sure. But what he's talking about, serpents and scorpions in Scripture are always tied to demonic power and dark influence in people's lives. So what Jesus is saying is, look, I am going to give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, meaning demonic power that raises its head against you. Side note, a few months ago I did a series on the armor of God where I talked about the shoes of peace. The shoes of peace are not what you think shoes of peace, right? They're not your slippers. They're actually spiked cleats that we should be wearing. This is what Jesus is referring to. An armor of God peace to trample on spiritually serpents and scorpions. If you want to do a deep dive, go back, watch that message, listen to that message on the podcast, um, armor of God, shoes of peace. Let's continue reading. And he says, and over all the power of the enemy, I give you authority over all the power. He may have power, but I give you authority over all the power and nothing shall by any means hurt you. No, literally, no thing shall by any means harm you. This is a statement. It is a promise from Jesus himself. This is why it's impossible to live in fear when I believe God's word. Because I, if I believe God's word, it doesn't mean serpents, scorpions, the power of the enemy ain't going to come knocking. Oh, it's going to come knocking, and it's going to be a war. But what's the promise? I give you authority over the power, if you'll use it, and nothing, no thing, shall by any means harm you, hurt you. Can't come near your dwelling. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. That's what Jesus is showing us. How, can, how then can I live in fear? This is why the devil is terrified of you reading and believing God's word. You can read God's word, but if you don't believe it, he's okay with you reading it. Because the belief changes everything. The belief changes when fear comes knocking, when sickness comes knocking, when the, the attack of the enemy comes knocking. I, if I believe this, I will act on it. And that's what God wants to remind us of today. He wants to remind us of that today. If this is not a condemning, discouraging thing, what is this? Oh, man, an exciting thing. If you've ever played sports, right, and, and you've been into going and preparing for the, 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 the game or the match, whatever it may be, when you have that realization that you can win, whether it's in practice beforehand, you're like, man, we're going to whoop these guys, or whether it's in the game and it's the fourth quarter and you know victory is yours, that excitement is what God wants to give you today. Doesn't matter if you're still in the middle of the game, still in the middle of the battle. He says, The victory is yours because I already won it, so it's yours. It's yours. We have authority. Point number two, if you're taking notes, write this down. Authority comes from the one who backs us. Authority comes from the one who backs us. This isn't a prideful thing, right? We're not exalting ourselves, making ourselves God or anything weird like that. That's not it at all. 
We carry the authority, but we're not the source of the authority. I carry it, but I'm not the source of it. In Luke 10, 17, Jesus has just sent out his disciples and even more disciples than just his 12. He sends them out to go on mission. He says, go do the work of the kingdom, preach, set free, heal people, go for it. They return to Jesus with gladness. And in Luke 10, 17, they look at Jesus and they say, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Like, it's crazy what's going on out there, Jesus. Like, we're doing some crazy stuff. Even the demons obey us when we use your name. A great example of this is, think of a police officer directing traffic. You ever seen, I felt, I've seen police officers do this. They're in the middle of a busy intersection or something like that, or there's a wreck and they're out there trying to direct people and sometimes people can be stupid, right? Let's be honest in church. People can be dumb sometimes. It's okay. They don't know how to drive, whatever. But they're out there and they're directing traffic. And what are people doing? They're doing what the officer says to do. Why? Does it, does it, is it because the officer has more power than a vehicle? No. He has authority. He has authority. They're not out there, the officer's not out there using some Star Wars force trick to move vehicles around. He doesn't have power like that. He has authority. When we walk in our God-given authority, we look the same way to the demons and the devils of this world. I have a badge of authority. I'm a child of God. And I can direct traffic. Nah, you can't come over here. I can bind this thing. Nope, you're going to go over there. I can loose this thing. Be free. You get out of here. You come with me. What did Jesus say? Bind it. It'll be bound in heaven. Loose it. It'll be loosed in heaven. We have the same authority. We look the same way. When we wear, we wear a badge of authority when we become a member of the family of God and we grow up into him. I can stop things. I can release things to happen. But I got to do my part. I have to know this authority, but I have to apply my authority. And this is what I want to leave you with today. How do I apply it? How do I apply my authority then? Hopefully you can see just a few verses. I could show you a lot more and give you more examples of we have authority. God's entrusted with you. The other thing I haven't even touched on is we also have power that's greater than the strong man's power. It's through the Holy Spirit. That's a different subject for a different day. We have power from the Holy Spirit. How do I apply my authority? Number one, bind the devil. Bind the devil. I have to bind the devil in the situation. In James 4, 7, it's a popular verse, right? Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That sounds great. How do I do that? How do I really do that, right? How do I bind the devil? How do I resist the devil? One of the ways that I've found most effective in my life, just to be transparent, is the first thing I do is I remind myself of my position and then I remind the devil of his. I remind myself of my position. No matter what's facing, I close my eyes. <laughs> I'm a walker whenever I pray, so it, sometimes during worship you see me moving a lot. That's what I'm doing. I close my eyes and say, God, I thank you that you have given me power through your Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am a blood-bought child of God. I am a, I am a co-heir with Christ to your throne. You've given me authority. You've given me power to operate your kingdom on your behalf. You've given me the power and the authority to bind things and to loose things. 
And right now, in the name of Jesus, devil, I bind you and I cast you out. Get your hands off of my family. Get your hands off of my situation. Take your hands off my finances in Jesus' name. Any spirit of fear, I bind you and I cast you out right now in Jesus' name. Whenever Gavin comes to me and he tells me we're going to bed or whatever and he says that he's afraid of the dark or he doesn't want to be afraid of the dark and we pray before he goes to bed, he wants to have good dreams. You know what I do? I cast out any spirit of fear that would come knocking to our door. That's what God's word calls, right? God's not giving us a spirit of fear. So we pray. I say, God, I thank you that you love Gavin. You love us. We are part of your family. And because of that right now, any spirit of fear, we bind you and we tell you to leave in Jesus' name. We pray for sweet sleep tonight, for good dreams. We pray that we wake up refreshed and rested and there is no fear that is allowed in our house in Jesus' name. Resist the devil. But what do I do? Remind myself of who my position. Remind the devil of his. I have authority. In the name of Jesus, I bind the strong man. Number two is this, pray in the name of Jesus. Pray in the name of Jesus. This may seem elementary, right? Yeah, in Jesus' name, amen. Let me show you a few verses, though, that will hopefully remind us of why we pray in the name of Jesus. Jesus is the name above every name. In Philippians 2.10, it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Look at this, in heaven and on earth, and under the earth. We know every knee shall bow, but in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth. What is that? Heaven, earth, and hell. Every knee will bow at the name of Jesus. It's the most powerful name in the universe. In all three dimensions, in all three places, it's the most powerful thing. Look at this verse in John 14, 14. Jesus is teaching about praying, and here's what he says. If you ask anything... In my name, I will do it. Can we just, this could have been the whole message. Can we just think, look at this verse. You don't have to answer or raise your hand or anything. But right now to yourself, ask yourself, do you believe that? Not do you know this verse. Do you believe that? Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. We don't pray in the name of Jesus because it's a good tradition, right? That's what I'm supposed to do. That's what I was taught to do. That's not not why we pray. It's not a good religious thing that we do. We pray in the name of Jesus because we believe every knee bows to to its authority. I pray in Jesus' name, amen, and when I'm done, I expect mountains to move and situations to change. Not because of me, Because Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. How encouraging is that? But how easy it is to forget. Why? Crisis comes into your life, and what happens? Get as many people praying as possible, right? I got to start a prayer chain. Like, many times we run, though, to fear-based. I'm not against prayer chains, but many times we, we start a prayer chain because we're so afraid of what might happen. Jesus didn't say don't do prayer chains. I'm not, I'm not getting on that. I'm just saying, why not crisis happens? Let's lean into, when I pray in the name of Jesus, mountains move. Mountains move when I know my authority. Number three is this, pray God's word. 
These are all elementary things. But God put this on my, my heart to remind some people today. Bind the devil, pray in the name of Jesus, and pray God's word. Look at this verse in the book of Psalms. Psalm 103, verse 20, it says, Bless the Lord, O his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Think about this for a second. There's, the angels are listening for the voice of God's word, and they will do what it commands them to do. Here's the obvious question. <laughs> How does the word of God get a voice? When we pray out loud, when I speak it, when I say it over my situation, sometimes I got to say it a hundred and 50,000 times, but I'm going to speak it. I'm going to speak life rather than death. Why? Number one, the angels are listening for it. They're listening for their master, their, who they're serving, which is God, the Father. And when they hear his word spoken, they go to work. I've released them, allowed them to work in my life. Many times we pray, but I don't ever use a scripture or back or have a verse that I'm standing on. And so I'm going to battle and it's, it's tough, but it shouldn't be. Because when I pray, I have all of heaven's armies that are backing me when I speak his word. First John 5, 14 through 15, it says this. Let's take it a step further. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, in God, that if we ask, here it is, ask anything according to his will, he hears us. The angels listen for his word and they do what it says. God listens for his will and he hears it. What's his will? The word, the word of God. If I ask anything according to his will, his word, he hears us. And look at this. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. The answer is mine. Do I want my prayers to be effective? Bind the devil, pray in the name of Jesus, pray God's word. Not because Pastor Dan said so, but because <laughs> Jesus said so. It's right here. And I don't know what you're facing. I don't know how your week went. I don't know if you got a lot of questions for the future and you don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know. Or maybe, maybe, maybe life's going pretty good, but you found yourself static spiritually. Not really growing not really getting any worse, static. God says today, I have more for you. I have more for you. Will you pray? Will you pray with the authority I've given you? And will you go and will you steward my kingdom while I'm gone? Jesus is coming back. We, it's our job though to steward his kingdom while he's gone. Here's some questions to reflect on as we wrap up. Knowing this, even just John 14, 14, right? Ask anything in my name, I will do it. Here's the reflection question. Number one, how much time do I spend in prayer every day? Just, just think back to this last week. If I believe that I can ask according to God's will and he will do it, 
it should drastically change how much time I'm spending in prayer. Doesn't, I'm not talking about, hey, I can't go to work today. I'm going to lock myself in this closet for 10 hours and then come out. I'm not talking about doing anything weird, right? I'm talking about throughout your day, as you walk into a meeting, as you're driving to work, getting up a little bit earlier so I can spend an hour with God every morning. How much time am I spending in prayer? Have I been praying with my authority? Or have I been, I hope God does something. The biggest hindrance to answer prayer is the lack of prayer, right? So many times, God, I hope God moves. God, why aren't you doing something in my situation? God, why aren't you helping me? And many times God's looking back and he's saying, I already did, but you're not using your authority. I've already, I've intervened on your behalf. Doesn't mean he can't right now. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying many times he's saying, just read this thing and believe it and I'll, I'll rock your world because I will back this. God will back his word every single time, but I got to know it. I got to believe it and I have to live it out. Let's be a group of people that pray with our authority. We don't pray hopeless prayers. We pray with expectation that when I pray, I'm basing it off of his promises and I'm believing it. I'm not doubting. I'm not shaking. And man, I believe that God will move in the impossible situations. He will make them possible through him, not because of what I've done, what he's already done on the cross and the keys that he's handed to me. Let's pray with authority this week. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we love you above all. You are good. We thank you for your word. How humbling, Heavenly Father, that you have given us authority, that you've given us keys to your kingdom to steward the kingdom of light while you are gone, to do and to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, to heal and to set free and to pray effective and powerful prayers. What a humbling situation. God, we love you. God, I just pray for everyone in here. I pray for revelation. I pray for confidence. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would prompt us to speak with boldness, to pray with our authority. I pray that as we face situations today, this week, or a year from now, remind us of our authority. Don't let us forget. Bring to remembrance these things so that we can pray and we can go to battle and we can win it because of you working through us. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. If you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second. If you're in here today and you'd say, Pastor Dan, I want that authority that you were talking about. The first step is really, really simple. Is you gotta be a part of God's family. You gotta make him the Lord of your life. You have to humble yourself, submit to him, die to yourself is what Jesus says, and follow him. And when you do that, he says, I will give you the keys. I give you the authority. You can, you can pray effective prayers. But if you're in here and you'd say, Pastor Dan, I don't know if that's me. I don't know if I've made a commitment to serving Jesus, but you want to today. I just want to pray with you. If you've done it in the past, but maybe you've, you've wavered, you've, you've been doing your own thing, You've been living in sin knowingly. You've just been living far from God, but you're ready to come home and you're ready to be 
right with Jesus. I want to pray for you as well. If that's you, for either one of those, for the first time you want to make Jesus the Lord of life or, or to recommit your life, would you just raise your hand just high enough for me to see and then you can put it right back down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you come up or do anything weird. I just want to pray with you. Awesome. Here's what I want to do is I want to say a prayer. And this prayer is the prayer that invites Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And it's not a magical prayer. It's just something that we do to acknowledge him as Lord in our lives. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say this prayer. And I want everyone in here to say this prayer after me. Let's pray together and let's declare this over our lives. And if you're praying this for the first time, pray it with confidence. Believe it in your heart. Say this after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you sent Jesus to come to the cross and to die in my place. Thank you for saving me. Right now, I choose Jesus as the Lord of my life. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins. Make me clean on the inside. Help me walk in purity. Help me walk in righteousness. Help me walk in your authority. In Jesus' name, I am saved. I'm a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.